we're in week six of our, well, that's kind of a funny thing. We're in, we're in week seven of our Encountering God worship series, but this is actually message number six of that. Um, because of what God did last week, we, we kind of pushed things forward. What I was going to share last week, I'm going to share this week. And then next week, I'm going to take week seven and week eight and put them together, and we'll finish our series on worship next week. And then basically after that, we will start our Christmas series that I'm very excited about. So, well, we are in week six, basically, or week seven, depending on how you want to look at it, of our encountering God. We've been kind of talking about worship. We've been talking about what God desires to do in our worship and through us in our worship and what God wants to do. And this is a very important uh, message, I think, because it really kind of gets to the heart it's to, an, to an extent of what I feel like one of the applications of worship really is, and that is that worship is transforming. Obviously, we've been looking at 2 Corinthians 3.18. That's been kind of our verse that we've been talking about. But today, we're what we're going to be talking about is our being transformed into the same image. That's what we're going to be talking about. Worship is transforming. This is one of my favorite quotes. I found this several years ago, and it's one of those quotes that, that kind of really spoke to me. And basically, it's, it's, it says this. It says, the gods we worship write their names on our faces. Be sure of that. That which dominates will determine man's life and character. Therefore, it behooves us to be careful what we worship, for what we worship, we are becoming. What we worship, we are becoming. I remember when I was in the sixth grade, something really, really strange happened. Now, I'm sure it happened many times before, and I'm sure many of you could tell me about all these groups that did this before, but this was like my first experience with the the, 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 the amazingly twisted world of boy bands. Okay? Because I was getting to that age, I was in sixth grade, and I was beginning to realize something in sixth grade. Girls, they, 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 they kind of getting pretty. Girls all of a sudden didn't have cooties anymore to an extent. And they're starting to get pretty. And all of a sudden, about sixth grade, something horrible happened that changed everything. Are you ready for it? It was called the new kids on the block. Do we remember this? Some of you, oh, yeah, 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 that was horrible. I remember these girls walking into school, and they had shirts with, with these weird-looking guys' faces on them. I remember they had pillowcases, they had backpacks, they had lunchbox, and it was all about the new kids on the block. I remember when they came to a concert in Kansas City, all the girls were just so excited. They were going to new kids on the block. They were going to new kids on the block. And it was like, you know, if you were a guy, and you were in that sixth-grade area, and you had, you know, you, know you, you were done. You had no shot. You know, you were done because you weren't Donnie. Or, or I, that's the only one I know. I, I kind of blocked this out, you know. But I remember this, this concept, and, and I remember these girls, and they would just be kind of become, it was a weird, weird thing, because before it was like they were into like Barbies, and My Little Ponies, and, and, and Strawberry Shortcakes, and all these things, and all of a sudden they became a little bit more grown up, and they became a little bit more like who they were trying to follow. They knew the songs, and they had the, this kind of ages me, they had the, the, the cassettes, And it was, they became like them. They became, it was kind of weird. It became, it became this strange thing. And I even remember then learning that, hey, 
the, the person you worship, you're going to come, come like them. You're going you're gonna to learn their ways. I remember these girls would, would get in the playground area and they would begin to do the new kids. I, I don't know. I, I was a guy. I was playing football and playing sports. I was doing other things. But they would do these dances. And I'd like walk by like, what is wrong? Are you having a seizure? And they'd be like, oh, no, this is like the new kids on the block dance. And what's funny is I know what is happening right now. There are some certain females in this audience who this is all coming back to you. And maybe it isn't, maybe, maybe it's another boy band, but it's something you're like, oh yeah, I, I had that. And it was one of those things, once they kind of, kind of came back down to earth, it was like, it was funny, you like a year or two later, it was like, did you, didn't you like New Kids on the Block? Like, oh no, I never liked them, you know? And it's like your whole room was covered in posters. You loved them, you know, and you didn't want to admit it. But we become a little bit more like the people we worship. We have to understand that. And so it does behoove us to be aware that what we worship, we're going to become. We're going to become like that. So let's jump right in here because we need to understand this to its fullest. And we need to understand that first, we change and become like the one we worship. Look at Psalms 135. In Psalms 135, it says this. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak. They have eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouth. This is important. Check out verse 18. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. Those that make these idols, those that worship these idols, become like them. You will become like who you worship. When you think about fruit and you think about the fruit in our lives, sometimes it's very easy to see where our loyalties lie. Sometimes it's very easy to see really what we are worshiping because we're becoming like that. We don't necessarily necessarily have to plan it. We don't have to necessarily set out to do it. It just kind of comes naturally to us. It's why worshiping God is so important. It's why worship is so vital because God desires in his presence to transform us and make us more like him. Make us more like the one we worship. You see, that's why we have to understand. One of the reasons why I talk so much about worship and why we've taken this amount of time to talk about it is because I truly believe that it transforms us more into the image of Christ. Because the other thing is this. Let's just be honest. We all have our idols in our lives, don't we? They may be a sports team. They may be a person. They may be a job. They may be money. It may be something else. But we all have our idols that we have to be very, very careful about worshiping. And if we're not careful and we spend more time worshiping those idols, we will become just like them. We have to be careful. So the more that we worship God, the more that we experience him, the more transformation that God desires to do in us and through us, it's very important. And we have to understand that. In Acts, the fourth chapter, this is really, really cool verse that I think is important that we understand. It says, now when they saw, at verse 13, now when they saw the boldness, now this is, this is the, the Sanhedrin, this is the, the Jewish authorities. Jesus, obviously, in Acts, has already uh, ascended into heaven. He's gone. But when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And this is important, and this is major. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Can I ask you just a simple question you need to ask yourself every day? Every day. Write it on your, write it on your mirror, write it on your car, just well, not on your car, maybe on your car window, just somewhere where you're going to see it. Put it on your phone do something that you're going to ask yourself this question. Are people recognizing that I've been with Jesus? 
Because when we're with God, God wants to change us and transform us. Do people recognize that in you? Do they look at you and go, they may not even know how to put their finger on it. but They just know there's something different. You know, the Bible is very clear. It calls us a very peculiar people. Why? It doesn't say that because we're weird. It says that because we're different. Why are we different? Because we've been with Jesus. There should be a tangible difference. There should be a tangible expression of that. We should be able to have people look at us and see. Because the problem is, what we have to understand is is if we're not, we might need to look at that. We need to understand that we are to be formed into the image of Christ, not the other way around. Because, you know, one of the, the idols I left out when I was talking about all these things is usually the one that we focus on the most. And let's just be honest, the one we have the most trouble in is the idol of self. The idol of self. When we say that, that what I want is more important or, or, or me, me, me. Who are you worshiping? Because you're worshiping something. And what's sad is when we worship ourselves, It just almost, it's like compound interest. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger quicker. Because it becomes a situation where it becomes about me, not about Jesus. Listen, Jesus is desiring in this place and in our lives for people to be transformed into the image of him, not in the image of you. Do you understand what I just said? Because a lot of times we walk around with our opinions and our views, and there's nothing wrong with opinions and views, but we basically get to the point where we look at things and say, listen, I want this church or I want this person to be transformed in the image of me. Unfortunately, if you and I have to have a conversation about that, I'll probably say something like this. Your name is not on the door. Your name's not on the door. This is not your house. This is God's house. And it's hard sometimes because we do have our opinions. And listen, nothing wrong with opinions, guys. But we have to understand, where is that coming from? Is that coming from worshiping self and what we want and what we desire? Or is it something different? What is happening inside of us? But what we worship, we will change into. Next, something we need to understand. Because I don't want this to be heavy. And I don't want this to be discouraging. And I, I put this in there for this reason. And that's this. The changes that happen are a part of a process. This is a part of a process. Look at 2 Corinthians 3.18. Listen, this is what it says. This is interesting. It says, are being transformed. Are being. It's a present situation that's happening. Okay, it's something that is happening slowly and you are getting on that path. God is is forming you and shaping you. Listen, I would love, I would love it because it would make everybody's life so much easier to an extent. If basically when we accepted Jesus, basically that new creation that God created is just like perfect. Awesome. No faults, no problems, no issues. But he doesn't do that. This is a transformational process, guys. This is something that is happening over time that God is doing in our lives. And look, listen, even though I think it would have been better for God just to go bang and make it all perfect, when you really begin to think about it, all that would have done is brought us into a place of self-denial of needing of God. God knows exactly what he's doing. And so he's forming us. He's shaping us. So listen, if you're not as far as you would like to be, it's okay. Don't walk out of here with shame and guilt because those are the enemy and they're not of God. It's okay. Listen, here's what's not okay. 
You ready? I'll visualize it for you. That's not okay. Although it feels really nice right now. This is, and this is the problem here, guys. The problem, listen, the problem is not baby steps. Remember that movie? What about Bob? Yeah. Remember that movie? And, and, and what did he do? Baby steps. Baby steps to the car. Baby steps to the, and you know what was interesting about that? And basically the guy needed therapy and the whole therapy thing was just take baby steps. Just get there. Hey, you know what's amazing? He got there. It was baby steps, but he got there. You know, spiritual maturity is not based on how big a step you take. Spiritual maturity, a lot of times, is based on the fact you keep moving when it's hard and it's not easy and you don't always understand. The goal here of this series is not necessarily so everybody does, this is where I am in worship. This is where I was last week. I mean, if that happens, great. But the goal here is to keep everybody moving, everybody experiencing, everybody allowing that process of transformation to continue in our lives. Look at Philippians 3.10. Paul writes this, and I think it's really important that we, we understand this. He says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Now listen, it's important. He to verse 12. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus this focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus or through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Paul understood something. He understood it very clearly. And that was, he hasn't arrived yet. This guy that wrote most of the New Testament, the guy who is, is, is going off to, to persecute the church and Jesus appears to him, knocks him off his horse. I mean, he has this amazing transformational experience. And what's his response? I'm not there yet. I haven't achieved it yet, but I'm going there. I'm working towards it. I'm, 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 hey, some days we're going to take big steps. Some days we're going to take baby steps. The point is this. We got to move. We got to keep moving. So listen, if you're not where you need to be or where you'd like to be, that's okay. Let's keep moving, though. Let's not be afraid to say, hey, because sometimes what we do is we'll look at other people and we'll go, well, they're taking a big step. I should be more mature. I should be taking a big step. And you know when we do that, what happens is we stop moving. Paul is not focusing on others. He's focusing on the prize. What's the prize? The resurrection, that perfection that God is going to do in him when it's time. But until that time, until he finishes the race, he's going to keep on running. My wife runs half marathons. I don't know why. I'm proud of her. I think it's awesome. I, I ran a, a 5K with her. I have bad knees because of playing recklessly as a child. Um, because it was like if, if there was a you know, ball field, you know, if you didn't walk off the field bloody with more dirt on you than was actually on the field, you didn't really play. There was a wall. You kind of ran into it. So my knees don't handle the pounding on pavement. That's why I ride a bike. It's less pavement. But she runs. 
And it's amazing when we'll talk, she'll say, she'll say, you know, I ran. And, and sometimes you, you start this race and there'll be these people that, that just take off like their hair's on fire. And she'll kind of just keep her pace and she'll go. And she says, you know what's interesting? She says, I watch those people and eventually they come into view. And then you eventually, you got to begin to pass them and things like that. And she goes, and then there's other people that you'll kind of come up on upon. And they're not necessarily running, but they're moving. They're moving. And it's always cool because she always look at me. She goes, you know what? They finished the race. Listen, you ever had this conversation with a young child? It's not a race. It's not about who gets there first. It's about finishing the race. When it comes to our worship, it's not about who can get there first. It's about finishing the race. And we need to understand that. Next, worship changes our inner beliefs. And this is important. We need to understand this. And our outward response. Yes, it is supposed to change us from the inside out, but it gets to the out and it's visible from the out. Do you understand? That does not mean that you have to be demonstrous. It doesn't mean you have to be loud and, and out, uh, you know, crazy. It just means there needs to be an outward response of what God is doing inside of you. When I baptize people in the tank, I say pretty much the same thing every time. Because you have accepted Jesus and because you want to show an outward response to an inward work. It's important we understand that. And worship wants to do the same thing. It wants to change all of us. Look at Matthew 8. This is interesting. In Matthew, or excuse me, Matthew 4, 8 through 10. In, in this section of scripture, Jesus has not yet started his ministry. He is being tempted by the enemy in the desert. And this is one of those temptations. And it's very interesting that the enemy goes here because it's kind of important that we catch this. It says this in verse number 8. It says, next the devil took him to the peak of a very high place. <clears throat> oh, so high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And Satan says to him, I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. We've all seen this. Most of us have, at least. We've seen this portion of scripture. Now, this is what Jesus' response to him is. And I think this is important. He says, get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God. And then there's an and here. There's an and. There's, there's not just this idea of worship, but Jesus continues. Now listen, this is what he says. And serve him only. Or serve only him. Either way. We're seeing something very interesting here. You see, this idea of worship is normally an inward work. It's something that God is doing deep inside of you. And that transformation needs to be there. But here's the thing. When we worship God, we need to serve him as well. And sometimes that means getting your hands and your feet dirty. Sometimes that means leaving where you're sitting and going and doing something else, somewhere else, in some other way. Sometimes that means, you know, being willing to look at somebody that's hurting and say, you know what, can I pray with you? Hey, can I, can I be there for you? Whatever it might be. You've got to understand that. Sometimes it means worship is not, is more than just a song. It's more than just a song service. It's actually serving the person you're worshiping. So you have to understand that. You need to understand whatever we worship in our lives, we will end up serving every time. Whatever we end up worshiping, we'll end up serving. And that's why it's so dangerous when we begin to worship self. Because when we begin to worship self, the person we begin to serve is us, our needs, what we want. And that's going to cause some problems. We got to understand that what we worship 
we will end up serving every time. And then the final thing. And this four point, this is this is kind of a four-pointer. And, and here's the thing, as we as we kind of this, we kind of begin to wrap this up and begin to wrap up the last idea here. I really wanted it to be uh, more of a a time of, of introspection and, and time of really um, looking deep inside of you. And so I'm going to kind of begin to kind of quiet down just a little bit here as we kind of move into a time where we have to start looking at ourselves very clearly. And it simply says this, if, if it is true, and I believe it is, that worship brings transformation into the likeness of God, then we must examine ourselves. What I want to do as we kind of close this is, is I want to begin to have all of us examine ourselves. Now listen, okay? I know that when someone says it's time to examine yourself, sometimes that's not real easy, okay? Sometimes what we tend to do is we want to talk about somebody else. We want to, we want to focus in on somebody else. Hey, this is, this, oh boy, I just got to, I got to get online and, and get so-and-so this message. Not saying that you've ever done that with me, but you know what I mean? And, oh, they just need to hear this. Listen. Listen, let's trust that if that is the case, that God will speak to you later on about that and you can help them. But let's right now, let's not worry about our wife. Let's not worry about our husband. Let's not worry about our kids. Let's worry about ourselves. Let's examine ourselves. Let's be open and let God, through his Holy Spirit, really turn a spotlight on, okay? Now, remember, this isn't to make you feel bad. This isn't to bring you shame. This is to bring about the transformation in your life that God wants to do. Listen, you need to understand something. Because I think sometimes we misunderstand this. We think transformation, for whatever reason, is bad. It's like this, it's almost like we we get to this place, it's like, well, if God needs to transform me, it means I'm not very good at where I'm at. And I don't believe that's the case. I believe that God is constantly wanting us to move forward. You may be exactly today where God wants you to be and you walked in here. But I believe for every single one of us, he wants us to be a little bit more baby step like him before you leave. Okay? Now, maybe you are. Maybe, maybe you are far away from him. And God is bringing this about to, to, to help you understand that, help you to look at your life and see those things. But it's not shame. It's not guilt. It's not how could you. It's not God sitting up there tapping his foot and saying, I'm so disappointed in you. It's God loving us. So open your hearts to that. Listen, don't let pride keep you from what God wants to do inside of you. This is good stuff, okay? This is not how could you. This is God going, man, I'm so proud of you, but I got something even better. And that's an amazing thing. We need to examine ourselves. Look at 1 John 2, 6. In 1 John 2, 6, it says this, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Those who say, question, and we're going to get in more detail in a second. When you read scripture, when you see Jesus, do you look like him? More than that, when people see you, who do they see? Do they see you? Or do they see Jesus? Do you respond like you? Or do you respond like Jesus? You see, if we're going to say we're in Jesus, if we're in God, we probably ought to live that way. Look at Ephesians 5. It says this, and I love this wording. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. 
because you are his dear children. Now, now stop here and let's look, look. Let's, I'm going to sit here and look with you, okay? This is important. It says, imitate God. We all know what imitating is. We get that. Therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. It doesn't say because you are his children he is disappointed in. It doesn't say because you are his bad kids. He says, dear children. It's like I can just see the father going, imitate me. You are my, you are my beloved. I love you. You see, he understands something, and that's quite simply this. The more of him and the less of us is a good thing. Not just for us, but for people we experience life with. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. Live a life filled with love. So we have to look at these things. So with that in mind, we must ask ourselves a couple of questions. We need to ask ourselves, are we becoming more holy? Are we becoming more holy? Is our life becoming a better representation of that? Are we becoming more like Jesus? Next, are we becoming more loving? How do we love? I mean, I mean, we, we sang a song talking about the perfection of God's love in us and, and how sometimes we don't love God very well. We don't love others very well. Listen, let me explain something to you. One of the best gifts, and I know we're, 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 we're not quite Christmas yet, unless you're like me and Christmas is, well, it, it's always going on, really. But you know what a wonderful gift you could give this year? And it costs you nothing besides you to focus and to make sure this is a priority in your life, that you love your friends and your family better. What a gift. What a gift. To, to, to say, I need to figure out how to love my daughter or my son better. That's amazing. And you can still give them a, you know, iPhone or whatever you want. But give them that. How do you love? How, what kind of a love, how, what kind of love do you give? Is it like Jesus or is it like something else? Next, obedience. Obedience. When God asks you to do something, do you do it? When God commands something, do you do it? Because what I, is very interesting about Jesus is you see this throughout his entire life. He, he keeps saying the same concept and the same idea is that he does what his father tells him to do, even willing to go to the cross. In one of the most passionate, amazing prayers that has ever been prayed, Jesus' response in that moment of anguish and horror and going, God, I don't want to do this, is, Father, not my will, but yours be done. What obedience. We have that example for us. Next, having, we need more zealous, be more zealous for the lost. Listen, listen, I'm just going to be honest with you. This is prime time, okay? This time in Easter is prime time. And what I mean by that is, is people are open, like they usually aren't to Jesus, why? Because every time they are, turn on the radio, every time Jesus is born, Jesus is born, glory to God in the highest, Jesus is born. This is a time where you need to be expressing to people what you're thankful about and why you're excited about Christmas. And it has nothing to do with the gifts, the lights, and the music, even though I love all those things as well. Listen. We need to understand that. Listen, you're going to be sitting this week, some of you, with people in your family or friends of yours that don't know Jesus. Do you even care? 
Because God cares. Desperately, he cares. He cares so much that he gave his only son. And more than just that, do you care for the ones you don't even know? One of the things that I like to do, and it kind of scares me and, 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 and it's, it's, it's petrifying at times, is I'll, I'll watch a sporting event on TV or I'll, go to the, I'll be at the airport and I'll walk around and I'll just see just this, these, these, these just thousands and thousands of people. And I just, I think to myself, God, how many of those people don't know you? How many of those people know you, but know a version of you that has been spewed on them that is just so not you? Father, how can I, how can we, how can we be a light in a dark place? It's important that we understand that. We need to have that next. Be more patient. Be more patient. I mean, we're getting ready to get into the holidays. We need patience. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of things going that we need to deal with and we need to understand. Next, are we just more good? You go, we, we say it all the time. God is good. Are you? God is good. Are you? Do people see that in you? If I brought some people and I, I took a survey and I brought them in and they knew that you would never find out what they said, and I gave them a piece of paper and I said, write down five words that describe you, what would they write down? That's kind of scary to think about. <laughs> I don't know if I don't do, please don't do that for me. <laughs> but would they write down good? Would they write down some of these things? Are you good? Because God is good. And the last one, even though there's tons and tons more, are you more forgiving? Are you more forgiving? If the worship team would come on up, we're going to close. We're going to kind of just continue to be in this place of, of, of looking, but, but are you more forgiving? Look, I say this a lot. And, and I don't ever want it to be a situation where I say it so much, you kind of become dead to it. But I think you need to understand it. Broken people do broken things. We are being transformed. You aren't perfect. I'm not perfect. We're going to do bad things. We're going to do things that are misunderstood. Some of the things that we do are selfish and wrong. Some of those things that we do, we, we really don't mean it to come out that way, but it does. But the bottom line is, is people are going to hurt you. I am going to hurt you. Now, please understand, I never in my life have ever, ever woke up in the morning, rubbed my hands together, and diabolically laughed and thought, how can I ruin Dave and Sally's world today? Never once. Mainly because I probably have the worst diabolical laugh in the history of diabolical laughs, okay? So it would just be horrible, and my wife would look at me and go, that's bad, you know, and we don't want that. But never once. But I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to do something you don't understand. And listen, if you let that unforgiveness sit in your life, it's going to boil into bitterness and anger and just something disgusting, period. One of the things that we talked about that God was doing inside of us last week was this idea of healing. Why did I feel like there was reasons, and, and there could, there's lots of reasons, but one of the reasons I felt like God wanted to do some healing was because in some people's life, there was some unforgiveness there. And unforgiveness, listen, unforgiveness is like, it's like almost like, and I think I'm going to say this wrong, and if I do, I apologize, but I think you'll get it. It's like yeast. 
yeast just doesn't sit there. When, when yeast gets into the, 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 the flour bread, I don't know how this works. I think you can follow me here, though. It grows. A lot of times what we think in our lives is we can have unforgiveness. Oh, it's just going to sit there. It's just going to be there. It's, it's okay. It doesn't. It grows. It morphs into bitterness and anger, and it destroys relationships and families and marriages and lives. It's crazy. You realize in your own life how much the Father forgives us on a daily basis. Listen, I don't want to be the servant who's forgiven the large debt and then goes to my fellow servants and says, you owe me five bucks. And when they don't pay, throw them into jail. That's a very poignant story. It helps us understand what God has forgiven us from and is still forgiving us from. And what God wants us to do in return. Listen. You're going to get together with some people in the next month. And I'm just going to be flat honest with you. Somewhere in between the pie and the turkey and the carols and the candles and the presents, there needs to be some true forgiveness. Listen, forgiveness is not saying what they did is okay. It's not going to make the pain necessarily go away. but it's a start of some healing that God wants to do in you. You've got to understand that. But listen, I just named a couple of things. We could be here all day talking about the things of God that we need to imitate. But remember, we started this and we said, let's, let's look at ourselves, okay? So let's go back there. Because worship is transforming. Worship changes us to be more like God. And if that's the case, do, are we really more like him? It's a simple question. And look, here's what you're going to do, and this is great. You're going to look at your life and you're going to go, well, I'm a little more loving. That's great. I'm a little more patient. That's awesome. That's, that's yeah, oh, baby steps, big steps. This is great. Okay, but let's take one step forward. Let's not just look at what we're doing well, even though that's we're celebrating and be excited about. But let's be even bigger than that. And let's go, God, what do I not do so good? And remember, this isn't, this isn't God sitting there with a stick ready to hit you over the head. This is God saying, listen, I want to transform you again. So listen, it may be one of the things I mentioned. It may be something totally different that the Spirit illuminates in you. But I want us to take this moment before we go into a time of worship and focus in on that. So I'm going to pray. And as I do, listen, I want you to allow God, and maybe you already know. Some of you already know. You're like, come on, let's go, Eric. Come on. You already know what you need to do better. But I'm going to pray that God will illuminate that. And as you begin to know, I want you to begin to pray to your father saying, God, I'm not good at this. Listen, he already knows what you're good at. It's not like he's going to be like, oh, really? I had no idea. Just be honest. 
Hey, God, I, I need more patience. I'm, I'm going this week. I'm going to be sitting across from some people that have driven me crazy, that have treated me poorly. And, Father, I need to find a place, and I need your help to forgive them. Father, I need patience because those people drive me insane. I don't know what it is. But it's time to get some things transformed. It's time to let yourself today walk out of here and be different than what you were before. Because that's what God desires to do in you and in us as we worship him. So, Father, we love you. And we come to you right now. And, God, we know that there's some things that we can look at in our lives and we can go, man, I'm okay there. I'm doing pretty good. It's not that we've arrived in those areas, but, but we can see some growth. And that's an amazing thing. And you're proud of us. And you love us. And you're excited about those things. But God, we're going to never arrive as Christians. We're never going to get to a point where you look at us and go, wow, you're, you're good. You're perfect. Way to go. I got nothing. You're always going to be doing things in us and transforming us back into your likeness. And so, Father, right now, Father, I pray for those that do know that they would just begin to pray to you right now, right now, and begin to say, Father, change me, change me in this area. Father, I need your help in this area. I need you to to bring me to a place of forgiveness. I need you to bring me to be more loving. Whatever it is that, Father, you do that. For those that don't know, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would just illuminate that in them. That you would just show them. And as they begin to understand, as I'm praying and as we move into a time, as we sing this closing song, that, Father, they would begin to realize that and begin to call out to you. The bottom line is this. Because these are hard areas in our lives, because of these are areas, God, that we don't do very well, we need your help. And you are faithful and good, and you will help us. Father, we want to be transformed into you. Because in our worship, we are transformed into the one we worship. So change us, God. Make us more like you. Make it be said of us by people. It's obvious they have been around Jesus. Father, you're so good. And we thank you so much. In Jesus' name. Let's all stand. Let's all let God 